Welcome to Arise Church, where we exist so that you can experience God. I pray that this message will encourage, inspire, and grow your faith in God. Enjoy the message. Wow, I am honored that I get to share with you this Mother's Day, and I have four amazing, phenomenal, and beautiful with women with me this morning that are going to share their stories. You know, I was thinking this morning before first service just about some funny memories that I have of being a mom. I love kids. I love my babies. I love them so much. And... Um, I've tried to keep record in my mind of the funny things that they have said over the years, but it doesn't work so good. We forget, right? And so the last few years, I've been taking notes in my phone of just all the silly things that they say. So uh, my 11-year-old Elijah has a lot more than the other ones do. But I remember when my 19-year-old, when he was about three years old, I went on this, this kick to um, eat healthy. And I stopped eating all sugar. I stopped um, eating all oils that were bad for you and only ate good oils and would cook with good oils. And uh, one of the bad oils that I stopped eating, and I was very religious on reading all the um, ingredients on the lists, but it was hydrogenated oil. So if there was any hydrogenated oil on anything, we would not buy it. And if it was in our house, we would not eat it. Um, And so my three-year-old son at that time, of course, he's in kids ministry and goes to the nursery and and he would faithfully ask his teachers, does this have a river in it? And it was the cutest thing. Like he couldn't say hydrogenated, but all of his teachers knew and they they just loved it. And so they would purposely ask him, uh, you know, I'd like, are you going to ask me if this has that oil in it just to get him to say it? But I love, I love the funny things that they say. So my 11 year old, when he was young, he said, mom, you know, it's kind of weird how women um, make milk when they have babies. It's like they turn into a cow. <laughs> yep. Yep. So true. So true. We're, ca- we're cows, right? I mean, oh goodness. And then, um, Another, another story, he, uh, he, was, he was talking to me. He said, you know, Mom, I've had whale before. I'm like, you ate whale? Like, where did you eat whale? He said, yeah, whale, like the Israelites ate in the desert. I'm like, um, I think you're mixing that up with quail. Whale don't typically live in the desert, son. <laughs> and it's not something we really eat. <laughs> but like, like me, I'm sure you have tons of just funny little memories and stories of being a mom. It's just the most beautiful gift um, that God has given us. But I know even with this beautiful gift, sometimes there are disappointments, right? There's life, life that happens to us. And when we have life, there's going to be highs and there's going to be lows. And what I've seen over the years growing up in church is that oftentimes we're not allowed to show our feelings and our emotions. Um, you know, when you're, you're young, and um, at least I've seen it in, in my life, you know, you could be pulling each other's hair out in the car in the parking lot and hitting each other with your shoe, but man, you step out of that car and you better have a smile on your face and look like everything is perfect and put together, right? Like your family is just the happiest family in the world. Um, but I know here at Arise, we don't do that because it's okay to not be okay, right? It's just not okay to stay that way. So we're not asking you to be fake. I want you to know this morning that there are women, that there are moms that have been through things that you have been through. And it's the plan of the enemy for us to keep things pushed down, for us to keep things hidden. Because if he can get us to push things down and hide it, there's so much shame that he can bring on us. There's isolation that he wants to... To, um, keep us in so we're lonely. But I'm telling you, that is a lie because there is a whole group of women here this morning that will stand with you, that will walk with you, that will call you and text you and say, hey, are you okay today? They will help bring you out of this because it is a lie of the enemy for us to stay in shame. I was able to pray a few weeks ago with a, um, she's around 60 years old now, but I was able to pray with her um, about some things that she was going through and she had shoved these memories and these painful traumatic situations down from the time she was 20 because she was in one of those families that said, you can't share this. This is not okay for you to share our business. You're going to keep quiet. And then for the rest of her life, for 40 years, she has paid the price of 
of not sharing, of not exposing the darkness. And it has taken a toll on her body. It has taken a toll in her relationships. But I'm telling you, 40 years later, after the traumatic stuff, God brought that woman freedom. And she's experiencing freedom today. So don't be like her. Don't be one of those women that just push everything down because we are here. We're going to be real and raw with you today and share some of our stuff with you today. So you know that we are real and you don't have to go through things alone. I don't know if you're like me, but um, I love knowing where things come from. Like, why do we celebrate Mother's Day, right? Where did that come from? So around um, 1907, there was a woman named Anna Jarvis, and Anna's mom had just passed away, and she wanted to celebrate her mom. And so she she celebrated her mom because her mom was a, a woman that brought other women together and created friendships, and she loved and honored her mom so much. And so she advocated for that day, um, Um, And about five years later, after she started that day in her own life, it caught on around other states where it was taking off that that women um, should be honored. Mothers should be honored for what they do. Because this is a full-time job, right? (laughs) Full-time job. And then um, President Woodrow Wilson is the first president um, around 1914 to actually um, make it a... um, a state, uh, a states-wide holiday, so that we could all celebrate Mother's Day. It just took us, it just took us a couple years to start celebrating moms, right? <laughs> um, but the crazy thing is that Anna Jarvis, she got so sick of at the end of her life of them celebrate. It was very commercialized, and she f- felt that the holiday was being twisted and not used to really celebrate moms, but to sell things and promote things. That she actually tried for the last of her life to abolish that holiday to stop it because it was so commercialized and she was so disappointed by something that she had birthed that she wanted um, she wanted to stop it and isn't that true in life a lot of times when we birth things um, like jobs and dreams and we have these aspirations and these dreams and desires to be, to do something and then we get disappointment in the process we uh, we it doesn't turn out like we want it to turn out there's a scripture Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Can anyone relate in here to that? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so, believe it or not, sometimes motherhood is disappointing, right? There are things that we go through that is disappointing, and it's hard sometimes to be a mother. I remember um, not long after our son was born, he's 19 now, um, um, Brent and I had been married for a couple of years, and we um, had, uh, I found out that I was pregnant with Ty, and it was the, it was the most wonderful thing. We had this little baby boy, um, and he was about a month old, and we were driving. I was working at that time. I had my own business, and um, I was driving to one of my customer's um, office in Tampa, And I remember driving on the interstate, and all of a sudden I started getting really shaky, like really shaky, like my blood sugar was dropping. And um, I was thinking, okay, so I just started praying in tongues, and because that's what I do, I love love to pray in tongues and just believe in God for healing, whatever was going on. And it just kept getting worse. So progressively, like I pulled in to um, my customer's place, and I walked inside because I knew something was wrong, something was different. And I walked inside, and I got out the words, call 911. And I think I said, the baby's in the car. Call 911. And they called, nine, they called the ambulance. And as soon as um, the ambulance got there, they were trying to talk to me. And I could understand what they were saying, but I couldn't speak to them. Everything that I was trying to say, I'm like, la la la, Like, it was coming out as mush. It was all muddled. And so they couldn't make out anything. So they took me to the hospital took my baby and um, Brent met me at the hospital and they were running tests and they came back and they said you have a mass on your brain and your brain is swollen and you've had a seizure and they said we're going to run more tests and figure out what the mass is and so they did and it ended up coming back it wasn't cancerous but it was a mass of blood vessels that had actually caused my brain to swell and I couldn't speak Um, and so that was the first um, seizure I had ever had never knew that the mass was there or anything Um, probably something I was born with um, but never knew it was there and so I spent about a week in the hospital in recovery just waiting they were waiting for the swelling to come down but I had all these dreams of parenting this precious baby that the Lord had given me. And I couldn't parent. I couldn't 
I couldn't take care of him. I couldn't even feed him. Somebody else had to feed him. And I remember coming home about a week after from the hospital and being on seizure medicine at this point and just so tired and not being able to function properly because of this mass on my brain and the medicine that they were given, giving me and how it made me feel, you know, worthless. How, what happens if I die? Who is going to take care of my children? Who is going to take care of my husband? Can my husband take care of this tiny baby? And all of these questions... And so this morning, we're going to be sharing with you our stories, and we'll come together at the end, and you will hear how God has brought us through. But I have this amazing panel of women, and we're going to start with Miss Kathy Squires, and this woman is phenomenal. I have watched this woman over the years, and just the way that she parents her daughter, and her daughter has turned out and is turning out to be a just an incredible young woman. And if you've never had the opportunity to meet Miss Kathy and Fiona, you should. Kathy, could you tell us your story this morning? somewhere other than New York was in my heart, but I didn't know where. And so God used someone else as a catalyst to get me here. That's how I see it now, six years later. But at the time, it was like, what am I going to do? I have a five-year-old kid. Um, You know, I'm a single mom. You know, what am I going to do now? Right? I don't have that other person in my life. And so... um, God used someone as a catalyst to get me here to Florida. And when I was moving, um, I said to God, I said, um, the first thing I'm going to do before I find apartment or anything is that I'm going, I, I need to find a church home. And um, a friend of mine invited me to Brandon Assembly. And th- from the minute I walked in, um, God surrounded me with these ladies who just loved on me and just welcomed me. And um, Warrior Princess, I think, was um, what it was at the time when we were at Brandon Assembly. Um, Warrior Princess was my saving grace. And they, the women who were there just surrounded me. They just reminded me of the women that I, I grew up with. Um, my biological mother still lives in St. Vincent. Um, I left St. Vincent when I was nine, and so I wasn't with my biological mother. But God put women in my life who were my mom, right? Um, So I had my aunts and my stepmom who loved on me and did their very best to raise me to be who I am. Um, And I always say that I learned something from every one of them. The patience of my stepmother, she's like the most patient person. And then my Aunt Agnes, she is like the the go-getter of the family, right? Like she will fix anything. If you need a curtain put up, she's the one to do it, you know? Then my my Aunt Judy, she was the cook of the family. So if you need to cook anything, you go to Auntie Judy. And so all of these women combined kind of made me who I am. I learned something from each of them. And so 
Um, so when I came here, I had all these women who were my village, right? And within that village, of course, um, there's Makia and, and Isabel who are like my sisters. I call them my sisters because we do everything together and like our kids do everything together. And so God, as even though I am a single mom, he's put me in this village, in this community of women and people, even the church, the men here too. Tony, um, my taquito over there, (laughs) Uh, like all of these people who have been here and been there for me, um, keeps me feeling that even though, and keeps reminding me, are the reminders to me that um, even though I am single, I'm not alone, right? And so God has promised me that he will never leave me nor forsake me and so he's put these people to be his hands and feet for me and so that I can be hands and feet for somebody else and so that's my story that's so good thank you Kathy now I would like to introduce Shelly Parker and Shelly if you need if you need a miracle you need to see Shelly yes (laughs) This woman knows how to pray. She is amazing, and she is a spiritual mom to many in this place. So, Shelly, share your story with us. Good morning. Um, I'm going to try and do this without too much crying. Um, (laughs) You got this. When I was 17, I had a little girl, and I gave her up for adoption, never knowing that I would never have any more children. Fast forward 20 years, I met my husband, Tony, and then in, he brought into the, I married into children. I have gotten children. I received children. And those kids are my kids. Don't get me wrong. Those are, those are my children as though I gave birth to them. So I took that as God giving me back what I lost, what I didn't have. Mm. And through the years, up until this point, I really believe that it was because of my choices that I made when I was young, which is why I couldn't have children, that God was almost punishing me because this is, this is the consequence, these are the consequences that I am receiving because of the choices that I made. So I married Tony and I received children, beautiful kids, and I helped raise those kids. Um, but these kids had mamas. And um, our daughter, she would go back and forth to her mom's for holidays, for summer. And every time she did, it's as though God ripped off a band-aid, a wound off my heart, and exposed such a deep cut. And he was like doing it on purpose. I tell you, I felt like he was doing it on purpose. And it hurt so much because I was reliving, giving my daughter up for adoption over and over and over again. And there was nothing I could do about it, nothing. As much as I screamed and I was angry at God and I stomped my foot. I'm like, no, you gave her to me. These kids are mine. These kids are mine. They don't belong to anyone else. And and this has nothing to do with the parents, moms. They're... There was nothing, this was just me. This was, mind you, this was just me. This was nothing to do with them, these moms of these kids. This is my own struggle. This is my own pain that I have been walking through and I keep this hidden. And it's, it's, the enemy doesn't let me forget. He reminds me often um, that it's my fault, that I feel less of a woman I feel less of a person because of my inability to have children. Um, But anyway, I get these kids, these beautiful kids, and I have grandbabies now. I have grandbabies now. And so a few years ago, about 10 years ago, Tony and I, um, we were attending a different church. And um, there's an inner inner healing ministry there. 
and it was it wasn't sozo like they have here. Um, it was different, and there was there were two women in the room with me, and one of them was interceding and receiving words from the Lord, and the Lord gave her a message that I was going to be a spiritual mama, that I'm a spiritual mama, and that made me even more mad. I was angry. I'm like, no. I want to change those diapers. I want to see them walk. I want to hear them say, Mommy, I want, I want to do that. I want to change the, the diarrhea diapers, you know? I wanted to clean up the vomit. I wanted to do that, as disgusting as that is. I, I wanted every part of what it means to be a mom. I wanted it all. But he was keeping that from me. And so for her to say that I was going to be a spiritual mama, it was like a slap in the face to me because that's not what I wanted. And so as we go through the years, um, I have embraced that. Um, I have embraced being a spiritual mama. I love all of my kids. And you all know who you are. You all know who you are. Your babies are my babies. I am your grandmama to those babies. Um, but, <laughs> oh, I love you, my sweet girl. I love you. You are my girl. You are my girl. Um, but he has, he has taken that place, that deep wound, and he has filled it with his love continually, continually. And I'm not kidding when I tell you, this is like almost on a daily basis. He constantly tells me, you are my beloved. You are my beloved. You are my beloved. And I love you, and I love you, and I love you. And he says it to me, and he shows me, and he, I have a wonderful, beautiful husband. He hates it when I say that. He's my beautiful husband, whom I wouldn't trade for the world, ever. And I have been blessed by him. So I'll give you the rest of the story a little bit later. <laughs> Thank you, Shelley. Our next guest I have named Wonder Woman because when you see this girl nine months pregnant jumping around stage, she has the baby and the following week she's up here <laughs> worshiping and just like belting out those beautiful sounds. She's just absolutely incredible and it's a joy to watch her mother, all of her babies. So anyway, Erica, will you share your story? Hi everybody, I'm Erica. I'm gonna give you a little... Yeah, I love you guys. Can we just pause and say that we have the best church, that we get to have conversations like this and talk Woo! about things that are hard. Get to say it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. I just, give it up for Pastor Brent and Pastor Ada. We have great leaders. Thank you. This is my amazing family and awesome husband. You see Callie, she's eight. I have Myla, who's five. I have True making that weird face, who is two. And that little peanut up there is Luna, and she is 10 months. That's my world right there. And when I say my world is crazy, it is absolutely <laughs> the most beautiful, crazy disaster that you will ever be a part of. Um, every time that you add a human being into your life, it requires so much time so much sacrifice, so many tears. It requires vomit, diarrhea. Y'all think I have short hair by choice? I got lice and I had to cut my hair. <laughs> that, that, that's how my life looks. And it can be crazy at moments. I know you see me put together, but I shared in first service how there's two different Erica's that you see. You guys get the, the full face makeup, the straight hair, but I show up to first service looking busted, y'all. <laughs> I, I, I always say there's, there's two versions of Erica. There's the 1.0 and the 2.0. So the first You guys get the 2.0. That's right. <laughs> No, because it is hard. It's hard to do things when I feel like sometimes I call my kids leeches. Like, oh, they're sucking the life out of me. I'm like a cow. Where are you at? I'm a, literally a cow. I'm still cowing right now as we speak. Um, but it's a real thing as a mom to, to, to feel lost in all of that. Yeah. There's times where I can, well, not many times, but sometimes I get peace and quiet and I can sit back and say, I don't even know who I am anymore. Yeah. 
Like, who am I? Because I'm always attending. I'm always giving. I'm always pouring. I'm always loading up. I'm running here. I'm doing this. Yeah. I'm, and I'm like, I don't even know. Who do you even want me to be, God? Like, who'd yeah. you create me to be? I feel like I'm, these are a great gift, and I'm not complaining. I'm just saying there is moments that are real that we as mothers, we, we get lost yeah. in all of it. And so it's, it's moments like this morning where we make room and we hear his voice and, and he brings clarity and he reminds us of who he's called us to be and who he's designed us to be. And we need his presence. We need his voice because I can tell you it is so easy to get lost in motherhood. It is a great, beautiful thing, but that's not all you were created that's for. That's right. So that's my beautiful, oh wait, I have one story to share. We have to tell. She told me how to tell. So just to give you a little idea of what my non-perfect life looks like, um, we were shopping in Target the other day. When I say we, all four of my kids and me by myself, Kieran was here at the church and uh, it's always an adventure. We were in the dollar section, you know, balling on a budget. Hey, where am I going? <laughs> you got four kids, you're on a budget. So we're in the dollar section shopping, and um, I had Callie pushing Luna in her stroller, and I had True pushing her in the cart. And as we began to shop, little did I know that Callie got really excited about her dollar item, and she had left Luna in the dollar section. So we're checking out, and I see people with a Rise t-shirt on that I've never seen at our church. I'm like, look, Kelly, how cool they go to our church. I've never seen them before. I'm talking to her, and a Target woman approaches me, and she said, hey, there was a lady in the, tar- in the dollar section earlier. Um, she left her kid there. Do you know where she went? And I'm like, one, two, three. Oh, my gosh. I don't know who that lady is. I mean, <laughs> it ain't me. Because <laughs> literally there was an entourage of parents. They were all frantic. They were all staring at me. And as soon as I admitted that it was me, the judgment was like, what a mom you are. I literally walked out of there and I'm like, God, please help me because I feel so shameful right now. But that is a glimpse into who my life and how I sometimes get lost into motherhood. <laughs> I love it. Is there anybody that can relate to the story? Oh my goodness. Thank you, Erica. This next amazing mom, she has her own little tribe. And the UC, I, I've always said, like, since I've known her, I'm like, it's the little ducks following their mama. It is the cutest thing. But I have watched this woman worship. I have watched her lead in worship in the darkest times of a person's life. And just to see the way that she trusts and continues to love our King is beautiful. So thank you, Christina. Could you tell us your story? So if you don't have the pleasure of knowing me, I'm Christina, and thank you, thank you. Um, This is my beautiful family. Um, I'm a wife to my husband, Corbin, for now 11 years, and we have um, five kids. My oldest girl is 10, and then Thatcher is seven, well, she's almost 10. I'm going to round up. So 10, 8, Quaid will be 6, Parker will be 4, and then our littlest little one in my arms will be 2 later this year. Um, that is our beautiful sage. And so, um, but what a lot of you might not know is that there should, well, there are, but there should be seven little babies in this picture. And um, in November of 2017, well, September of 2019, I'm sorry, um, we found out we were pregnant, elated, stoked, so excited, told all the family, because that's what we do. And, um, but what we didn't know is that this pregnancy was going to be different. And um, November 27th of 2019, um, well, I guess, okay, so the whole pregnancy, I'm sorry, the whole pregnancy, we were told by doctors um, that the twins weren't going to make it, Um, that... uh, that I just um, should come to reality that I needed to terminate the pregnancy um, because it was a f- it just was failed, and so for the weeks leading up to the loss, which I lost them at, um, we found that out at six weeks, and um, I went to fourteen weeks, and the whole time going through all of this, having doctors telling us that um, we just needed to give up. Um, We, my husband and I, and friends and family rallied around us just declaring life and purpose. And we were praying for their lives to be, um, to be saved, that, that, that it wouldn't be that way. Um, But what we didn't know was that we were declaring that life and that purpose over me. So November Um, 27, 2019, I started showing signs of um, 
their loss. And leading up to that, I showed nothing. I was still having all the symptoms and everything else. And so I just was like, nope, this is not true. I'm not standing with the doctors. This isn't happening. Um, But I started experiencing those symptoms. And I did it in the quiet um, because all too often so many women I know do it in without anybody even knowing. And so I wanted to put on a face. I have, at the time, I had four kids, and so I had to take care of them. And, and so I just was going through that that pain um, and, and alone um, because I, I really didn't want to say anything. And, and I Corbin was out, and so I didn't really want to tell him, and I didn't want to tell anybody else. And But then finally, a few hours had gone by, and I knew something was wrong. And... Um, each time I experienced that symptom, my, I, I just felt like I was about to pass out. And um, I, ca- I remember calling Corbin, and I said, something's not right, and I, I need you to call the squad. And so he called the ambulance, and the ambulance came, and, and my kids were there, and they're like, what's going on? What's happening? And thankfully, my mom was already there, because I don't think I would have had, the, I don't think I would have been able to call Corbin and tell him. Um, that something's wrong because I wouldn't want to make sure that they were taken care of. But I got to the I got to the hospital. My sister had met me there, and the the doctors had told um, my husband had met us there too, and they told them that um, I had lost a lot of blood and that I needed a transfusion. And um, the first one wasn't enough, so I ended up having two. And um, at the end of the second one, I. Um, my, I ended up developing uh, SVT, which is supraventricular tachycardia, which basically means that your heart rate just spikes really high um, and because of the trauma. And I remember my heart rate just, like, peaking. And I, I remember looking at my husband, and I said, I don't feel good. And then I passed out and started seizing, and then my blood pressure and my heart rate just dropped. And that was when the doctors were like, oh, crap, we need to do something. And um, they were like, look, your wife has suffered a lot of blood loss. We need to get her into surgery to stop this hemorrhage or you're going to lose her. And when I came to, and my husband and my sister said, it's time to let go. Because the doctors say that you need to have surgery. And so I went in, I got rushed in things were taken care of. And I remember feeling so guilty and so much shame because I'm still here and they're not. And I, I knew that that was a lie from the enemy, um, because it wasn't God's purpose for them not to be here. Like, I don't, I said this first service too, because I really believe it's for somebody, but the enemy is telling you that it was something that you did or didn't do for this to happen and that God's punishing you for it. And that um, I just, God just wanted me to tell you that they were meant to be here. And they're just as much as, you're just as much of a mother, even though they're not. Yes. And like, I just, oh gosh, I just, felt so much like darkness and I I felt so inadequate. I felt um, that I was incapable of being a mother to even the children that I did have, um, that, 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 I was failing them because I, I felt like I was just surviving. But my husband reminded me, like, you weren't surviving. You were pouring what little bit of energy and what little bit of, of, of yourself into them to show them that they are loved. And, like, I look back on it, and it's like that was all the grace of God. Yeah. Because if I look like I have myself together, you either caught me after I yelled at my kids seconds later or seconds before, or it was the grace of God that you caught me at a good time. Like, <laughs> I am not perfect. And just because I have a lot of kids doesn't mean I know what the heck I'm doing either. Like, it doesn't. And, but thank God for God's grace and that he's the ultimate parent. Because when we don't have it all together, he does. So, Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much, Christina. I'm sorry I forgot to warn you that you would need the Kleenexes this morning. <laughs> Um, I remember 
after I went home from the hospital and just all the emotional things and physical things I was going through after being diagnosed with this mass in my brain and the doctor is saying, as soon as your brain swelling goes down, you have to have surgery. That's it. You have to get this thing out or you're going to die. And um, I just... I was believing God at his word. He says that by his stripes, I am healed. And so I believed. And so every time I would go to the neurologist, he would say, we need to schedule the surgery. And I would be like, I'm just not ready yet. I'm just not ready. And I would have our church pray, our family pray over me um, for the mass to leave miraculously. And um, about a year had passed after my surgery. And um, I had the doctors, they had finally talked me into scheduling the the brain surgery. And we went to the hospital really early that morning at Tampa General. And I had my doctor, which I'm sure he thought I was absolutely cuckoo, because I said, I need you to check one more time to make sure the mass is there, because my God is a healer. And I believe that he's going to take it away. So he checked and he came back and he said, it's still there. It's it's still there. And so... um, we ended up going through with the surgery, and I remember waking up out of the bed in the bed and um, having all these tubes draining out of my brain and crazy stuff going on. But I woke up, and I remember just having so much peace that everything was going to be okay. Everything was going to be okay. And um, the doctor said, oh, you're going to be on seizure medicine for the rest of your life. Um, I hated the seizure medicine. It made me feel like I couldn't parent my babies. I was tired all the time. I was just like a robot, just going through the motions. And I hated that feeling. Um, And it just made me super numb. And... um, I remember about a year after my surgery, um, oh, by the way, I had a really cool haircut. Like, she rocks it really good, but mine was, like, bald on the side like this. (laughs) And I remember, like, going out in public and the wind blowing my hair, and it would be, like, this big, empty, big scar on my head. But, girl, you look good in that. (laughs) Um, And... um, I went uh, to a second opinion, a a neurologist to get a second opinion, and I said, I don't want to be on this medicine. And she said, actually, you have no deficits. That even shows me that you had brain surgery. She said, you, if if your scar wasn't there, I wouldn't even believe you. Um, So... God healed me in a different way, and I have been off of Dilantin, off of the seizure medicine ever since, and that was 18 years ago, um, and no other problems. Amen. So God used the hand of the doctor. He didn't heal in the way that I thought he was going to heal, but he healed me nonetheless. He healed me nonetheless. So Kathy, could you share with us how God has um, spoken to you? In your life of being a single mom, how has God spoken to you to help raise Fiona? Um, one of the um, the most important things that God has downloaded into my life or downloaded into my heart um, is the scripture verse that said that he would never leave me nor forsake me. And I think um, no matter what I'm going through, and in the days when I am sad and depressed and upset or whatever, or, you know, there's not enough finances at the end of the month or, you know, um, just the struggles of just being a mom, um, that verse has been my, my go-to, right? And just a reminder. And like I said, he's, um, he's put those, you know, people in my life like you know I, I, I can't say it enough that as, as much as as single as I am um, I'm never alone and so that is what he's given me and I've the other day um, Fiona and I have adapted this thing that we've been doing we don't get it right all the time but we do it now like I try my best you know to do it is that when I'm taking her to school in the morning, um, I always, she sits in the back of me and I goes, hey, Fiona, what's the Bible verse of the day? Right, because I grew up in Sunday school. And so um, one of the things that I'm trying to be conscious of is getting her to, you know, download those Bible verses all the time. Um, And so 
I, I asked her, hey, what's the Bible verse of the day? And she would read me the Bible verse of the day, and we would kind of talk about it. And so um, the other day I was saying to her, I was like, you know what? Um, these Some of these Bible verses you should remember because in the times when you're in trouble, in the times when you know, you're at school and you don't know what to do or you don't know what to, how to you know, get through a situation... God is going to remind you of these verses and you pray them back to him because that's what I learned when I was growing up. Pray them, pray those promises back to him and he will give you the desires of your heart. And so um, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm not perfect. It doesn't happen all the time. But when I remember, I, you know, I do it, you know. And so those are remembering what I grew up with helps me to to get her through and I hope that I'm doing the right thing (laughs) just watching you you are a phenomenal mom I mean you are so phenomenal thank you I I love I love watching her with Fiona it's absolutely incredible you're doing a good job Kathy thank you yeah yes you can give her a round of applause (laughs) Shelly what advice would you give to women who are desiring children but have been unable to have them for whatever reason? What advice would you give them? The main thing I would think would be to trust him. Trust God. Trust him. Um, recently, as I was saying before, the enemy likes to remind me occasionally. Um, likes to tell me that it was my fault. Something I did was the reason I couldn't have children. So recently I went to the dentist, and it was time for me to get a crown. So in order to do that, they needed to come at me with needles. And I'm like, show. Stop right there. (laughs) This girl doesn't do needles. And at one time the dentist like, you know what chair you're sitting in, right? You know? And I'm like, yes, I know, I know. I said, you just need to give me a moment. Just give me a moment. (laughs) So they gave me the moment, and they came at me with a needle, and it was a struggle. I don't like needles. I don't like the pain. I don't want someone sticking a needle in my mouth. You're coming at me with a needle. And so a few weeks later, I came back in and um, to get the permanent crown put in, and the lady's like, oh, yeah, yeah. We know that you don't like to have a lot of pain. We know, we know. And I'm thinking, you people talk about me? <laughs> Oh my gosh, you all know? And um, the enemy came in right at that moment and said, See, it's because you can't take the pain. It's why God didn't give you these kids. So it made me feel like a failure. It was my fault. But let me tell you, um, a few years ago, I was worshiping Jesus in the back room of our house. No, I don't think anyone was in the house with me, and it was raining. There was a thunderstorm. And I was on the floor, as I'm usually on the floor. And um, I was just worshiping Jesus. I had been reading the Bible, and I was just worshiping him, praising him. And I heard a spirit, a demonic spirit would come up beside me and he growled in my ear. And it didn't faze me. I wasn't, it wasn't, it didn't move me. It didn't make me stop worshiping Jesus. It didn't make me afraid. I wasn't any of that. I didn't feel any of that. But then the thunder cracked. And when the thunder cracked, it went on for like 30 seconds. I'm telling you, it was the longest thunder crack I've ever heard in my life. And so it, was, it went on. I heard God say as clearly as I knew. I could hear him clear. And he said, get away from her. She belongs to me. And he has never, ever, ever stopped coming to me and stopped wrapping his arms around me in those moments when I feel my weakest, when I feel like I'm a failure, when I feel like I'm less than a woman because I couldn't have children. He's always, always come to me in my weakness, always. He has always been there. And the little girl that I gave up for adoption has called me. She called me when she turned 18. So we have a relationship. Um, This little girl. 
And wouldn't you know, I can look back and just like Kathleen was saying, you can look back and you can see where God's hand has been. As you move forward in life, you can look back and I can see how God has protected me and from places I shouldn't, I mean, I should not be alive today, I'm telling you. Um, But when I met Emily, when she called me, I went to see her in her home in Louisiana, the family that adopted her, beautiful family, wonderful family, a doctor's family. And um, when I was talking to the mom, the the mom had said, I said, she turned out beautifully. And she says, I have just helped create what was already there. What you put into her. And I said that, she said that she got a little rebellious. You know, teenagers, teenage girls, sometimes we can be rebellious and sometimes they take after their moms. And um, um, she, they sent her to this little camp type thing, you know, where to kind of help, I don't know what it was really, to be honest with you. But while she was there, when, let me digress for a moment. When she was born, I asked for a picture of her and I asked for a birth certificate with the name I gave her, which was Autumn. I named her Autumn when she was born. And so they did that. They gave that to me. When she moved into this family, they changed her name to Emily. Her name is Emily. And so when I saw the mom, we were spending time together, um, she was telling me the story about Emily going to this camp. Emily wanted to change her name to Autumn. And I'm like, oh my gosh. God, your hand was on her then. It was on her the whole time. And it has been with me. And all I can tell you is that you just trust. You trust him. I have so many kids right now because of this. I'm a spiritual mom. I'm a spiritual mom. And I am very proud of that. And I embrace that. And I welcome that. And I love every one of my kids and all my grandbabies. Oh, my gosh. And I got more than I can handle, which I'm okay with because I got more love than I can give. I'm telling you, I just love them. I love them. Bring me the babies and I will love on them. I'm telling you, I will be the mama. I will Amen. be the grandmama. I love babies. I love the babies. Thank you, Shelly. So he will restore. It may not be the way you think. It may not be the way your hopes and dreams were, but he heals those places in you. He restores you. Just trust and don't ever take your eyes off of him. Yeah. Ever take your eyes off of him. Oh. Amen. Miss Erica, um, have you always wanted a big family? Yes. When I was 12 years old, I wrote down on a sheet of paper that I would have four kids. Wow. So no more. <laughs> Do you feel, um, did you have any dreams that you feel like didn't get, um, didn't come to fruition because of your large family? Uh, of course. Yeah, when I, when I was younger, I envisioned myself, I wanted to go to Phoenix, Arizona and work with like inner city street ministry. Like I always had a heart and a passion for that. And I thought some way, somehow I would sing like across American churches, things like that. I just love to worship. And it always comes to mind, Joseph, when you think about dreams like when he went to his brothers and he was like yeah I'm gonna lead a bunch of people right but he went through so many pits and so many hard times but he still had to trust God because he had something in his mind of what he was told of what he was going to do but it looked completely different for God's plan so the most important thing for me is in the middle of all the chaos is getting alone getting with God who designed me who created me who instilled these dreams inside of me and these gifts in me and hearing his voice, and then I'm able to not feel disappointed, because there is moments where I'm like, well, that kind of stinks, you know, I want to do that, but he's using me in other ways. Like, I work in construction, inner city. We, we, we work with guys who are sometimes rough around the edges or have bad past, and I, sometimes I'm co- coaching them off of cliffs, wow. you know, and I'm praying right on the phone with them while they're at work. I'm like, I know that customer made you mad. Don't fight him, because you're going to go back to jail. You know, let's just pray <laughs> right now. And I, I get to do this, be, and I thought it was going to be in Phoenix, Arizona, but I'm doing it right here in Plant City. Yeah. Um, so it looks a little different, and at moments it may feel disappointing, but when you get 
um, when you hear the voice of God, like I, people ask me all the time, how do you serve with four kids? Like, how can you do all that? Because in these moments, this is where I hear the voice of God. He gives me songs. He gives me dreams. He gives me vision. It's right here. That's why I do it because I feel close to him and that's what I'm called to do. So yes, it'll be disappointing sometimes, but if you stay tuned into the voice of God, you don't feel like it's disappointment. Oh, so good. So good. Thank you. And Christina, what advice would you give to moms that have suffered the loss of a child? So I didn't get to prep for this as much. but <laughs> um, I think that it's really important to not suffer um, in silence, to not do it alone, because the women that corralled around me, like, I am so incredibly thankful that my husband and I were here to rise when it happened. Um, because as soon as my friends knew, like, as soon as those, pe- those women knew, like, they, they're like, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm bringing food. So the next two weeks, I didn't have to worry about dinner. Yeah. Like, some of my good friends were like, I can't help you with your pain when it, you know, mentally or emotionally or spiritually, but, but I can clean your house and I can take care of the kids. Yeah. Let me take care of the kids. You take a nap. And, um, and so don't, don't suffer in lonely. The, the enemy wants to keep us from community. Um, 2020 gave us that very real thing. Like he wants to keep us from being part of a bigger plan. And, um, and so, you know, if you're, if you're going through this, um, or if you even had gone through it and people don't know, I think a lot of us want to put on this face. We want to be like, Oh yeah, I am. I got this. I am fine. I don't have to, you know, I'm, I'm good. Um, but it, that's not going to heal you. That's, that's only going to cut deeper. Um, and then it's in that silence where, where the enemy creeps in. Um, so when those, the, those, those lies come in, like, first off, you need to be like, no, Satan, you need to back up <laughs> because, um, that's a lie and I'm not standing with that. Um, but, but, Pour, like reach out to people um, and 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 talk about it um, because uh, it's very very hard um, and even though a lot of I wouldn't say a lot of women women but but a lot of women um, have dealt with this in some facet I think everybody's experience is different um, there's nothing that we can say to make it better, um, but a hug or a meal or um, your kids being watched or just being like, I, I, I remember the countless texts, like don't do it alone. Yeah. Like you're not alone for any of us, That's like right. any of us moms. Right. doesn't matter whether we're going through our own hell or not. We are right. not alone, but motherhood can, the enemy is here to kill, steal, and destroy our families. So we need to stand up as, as, as moms of mothers and, and really be bold. Yeah. Amen. Thank you. Thank you ladies so much. I read the beginning of Proverbs 13 earlier, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but the second part says, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And some of us in this room are waiting for that longing to be fulfilled. I know that there's some in here that are dealing with mental illness in their children or a physical disease or a prodigal, or maybe you're dealing with the loss of a child. There are so many different things that we are dealing with. But can I tell you that we are here. You have women that are ready to stand with you and do this with you so you don't have to do it alone until that long. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you consider subscribing and sharing this on all your social platforms? If you are moved by the message and would love to share your testimony, please email it to amen at myariseChurch.com. I pray you leave here feeling encouraged. See you next time.